man, it was, it was very life-giving, at least to me. If no one else got anything out of it, I really enjoyed studying it, and so um, it was really fun. If you want to go back, we have those cataloged in, uh, in our Facebook and on our YouTube channel, so you can feel free to go back. We went through the, the different stages and eras. It was called Rhythms for Life, and so the book of Psalms is a really great way to, to see how we're supposed to respond in the midst of crisis, in the midst of great times, and uh, in the midst of our testimony. And so we, we really kind of dove through those things in about five or six weeks or so. Uh, today, we're going we're gonna to go through a topic. This is out of Philippians 4. Today's title is whatever. Everybody say whatever. 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 Today's title is whatever. Whatever, and you're like, dude, that's really weird. I don't know if I've ever been to a church that said that whatever is the title of the message. So, I mean, whatever, dude, you go ahead for it. So, we're going to be out of Philippians chapter 4. If we could turn to Philippians 4, that would be great. This is, uh, we're going to go through just a small, small, small chunk of scripture here. And so, um, it says this, starting in verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, will, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, ah, there it is, right? That's where this came from, whatever. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, Whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. The God of peace will be with you. I love this. This is, this is the, these are the concluding statements uh, the concluding chapter from the book of Philippians that Paul writes to these uh, to these people. You also see later on that um, in the middle of all the things that Paul has has gone through, he even says, I know what it's like to to be with very little. I know what it's like to be with much, have all the things that I need. He also commends them for the for the opportunities that they've given of themselves to help ensure the things that that he's been going through. And so I love this this passage because of the emphasis that he has on things. The, the, the preceding chapters, he talks a lot about unity and coming together and bringing the body as, as one. And, and actually, at the very beginning of this chapter, he, he implores that they bring individuals together in unity. And so in verse 4, when he says, Rejoice in the Lord always, I will say it again, rejoice. Again, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I will say it, rejoice. It's very important for us many times to slow down when it comes to reading scripture. It's super easy, and especially as I know that, that we live in a very fast-paced world, very fast-paced schedules, lots of things going on, um, even with the immediacy and the, uh, the, the usability of electronics and things, it's easy for us to just, on a whim, just get sidetracked or to, to be pulled away from something, have a notification pop up, and then have to get on to doing something like that. Lots of things pulling us in many different directions, and so it's easy for us to just read through a verse of the day, maybe, real quick, and be like, okay, cool, I got at least uh, one verse in, and that was great. And praise the Lord, you read a verse. It's awesome. It's really good. Sometimes it's hard for us to just read one verse a day to go through that. I mean, hey, I'm standing here saying that's me too sometimes. I, 
I don't just sit there all day long reading through the Bible. I would love to be able to do that, but that's just not my reality. I don't think it's many of your realities either to be able to spend a lot of time doing that. And so whenever we do read the Bible, sometimes we just go through as quickly as we can certain passages. And because of that, we're not able to meditate on the word as we do so. Uh, in Psalm 119, uh, the, the psalmist writes that it's important for us to meditate on the word day and night. Even says that it's, we should have it like tattooed on our hearts. And for those of you guys who have had tattoos before, do you, have you gone into the tattoo shop and all of a sudden you like walk out two seconds later with a full sleeve? Is that how that process works? Oh, no, it doesn't, does it? it does it take like five minutes maybe? You go in, it's kind of like a peel and stick real fast thing? No, it's not like you go to, I don't know, like steak and shake and you had a lick and stick process that goes there either? Oh, no, that's not it either, is it? No, it's actually a very meticulous process. You have to have the artwork completely the way that you want it to. You have to frame it up on, your, on the part of the body that you're going to have that tattoo put on there. And then in that process, you have to make sure that you have the right coloration, that you have the right kind of instruments, and then that person is skilled enough to be able to insert all those things that need to happen. And then when you go through that process, it's not just a quick whoop, 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 whoop. Okay, I'm done. There you go. It took them a lot less time to draw up that and to mock up that, that design than it did to actually put that tattoo on you because of the process that it takes to make sure that every single piece of that ink or every part of that ink is actually embedded into your skin the way that it needs to so that whenever it's done, it comes out clear. It's a good image. It's exactly the way that you want it to. The words are readable. Everything looks the way that it needs to. And so when you think about scripture reading in such a way like that, you understand that this is not just something that you just hurry up and lick and stick and then bam, that's fine. It's great because it's easily forgettable in those moments at times. However, if you can go through and you're, you're very aware of every single piece of that, you know exactly how it's going to frame around your life. You know exactly how that's going to impact you. And sometimes you will even read it and not really understand what's going on. And then in moments in your life as you're going through your day, because it's etched on your heart, you can see it in a different facet. And you realize, my God, that's, that's what that part means for me right now. That's how that applies to my life. It's because you were able to meticulously go through little pieces. So that whenever you go through certain things, bam, it becomes illuminated in your heart. And so when we slow down and we look at these words, these concluding words from Paul, we see that there's a lot being said in these short, short verses. Rejoice in the Lord always. Rejoice in the Lord always. Always. He doesn't say rejoice in the Lord sometimes. Rejoice in the Lord when it's convenient. Rejoice in the Lord when you feel like it. Rejoice in the Lord only when you're in trouble, hoping that he will come to your aid because you forgot to talk to him for about 12 months. <laughs> Dear God, please listen to me. I'm rejoicing in you now. Rejoice in the Lord always. And then he repeats himself. I will say it again. Rejoice. To rejoice, to boast, to be made known, to, to speak out, to make it known to those who are around. To rejoice, to, to act in a way that you are expressing your gratitude, to, to express your joy, to express your feeling and your desires. Rejoice. Always. And again, I will say rejoice. Then he says this. In verse 5, let your gentleness be evident 
to all. So he starts with rejoice. Say it again to rejoice. And then let your gentleness be evident to all. If we just ended the service with that, I think that would be really, really impactful just to think about it. Think about your day. Uh, realistically, when we, when we stop and we look at this, <clears throat> you start to think about what was your day like when you were around people who frustrated you? What was your day like whenever you were having to deal with things at work that really wasn't the most fun? What was your day like when you had somebody who was having a really rough time and they're just a pain in your butt and you're having to have conversations with them multiple times? Is your gentleness made known to them? Now again, let's, let's take a time out and, and understand what this word gentleness, what this word gentleness, it doesn't mean weakness. I think a lot of times when we think of being gentle, we think of being um, loving, it, there's almost a connotation of, of like, a, like a cultural connotation of weakness. I have to be firm, strong, steady, bam, I gotta be like in your face. I can't be gentle. That doesn't mean that I have a good authority or anything like that. It means that I'm being super passive and I'm being weak. But really to be gentle is to have the is to have the authority and have the ability of the authority to be able to be able to act on and to be able to put pressure down on, but you're able to also have the mercy and the grace to withhold to help them go through in right instruction. Let your gentleness be known to everybody. If you really think about it, if you think of of someone who has authority but is gentle, you think of like a, like a very strong, like I almost think of like a real woodsy, like real buff. He just came from like chopping a bunch of wood like in the back and like just, I don't know, killed a bear for food and is wearing the skin on him or something like that. I don't know. Someone who's just really like, you know, virtuoso, a big, you know, big dude, but is able to come in and with his kids, he's able to scoop his child up and to hold them softly, give them a hug that doesn't crush them, even though he just crushed the head of a bear. <laughs> like, like, having that kind of capabilities to where they can be gentle. You can see and you can feel the power that they have, but at the same time, they're gentle and able to have the ability to nurture people in the midst of those times. That's what I think of when I think of gentleness. So it's not gentleness unto weakness, it's gentleness and strength. Let your gentleness be evident to all. And then he says this, the Lord is near. Ah, now we're getting the picture. Let your gentleness be evident to all, the Lord is near. Now we have an image of God. The creator of the ever-loving universe. The one who, who set the mountains in their place. The one who put the vast ocean in all of its mystery. All of the animals that walk upon the earth, all the ones that fly in the sky, all the ones that swim in the depths of the sea. Created humans with the ability to have intelligence to build and to construct and all these things. The, the powerful God who can cause storms to, to go away with just a wave of his hand. And spoke the entire existence of the of the galaxies with just a word. Powerful. But yet he was so gentle that he cares for us and has mercy for us and corrects us in every step that we go through. 
That's a powerful but yet gentle God. Doesn't mean that he's weak. Doesn't mean that he's passive. Doesn't mean that he's unable to do anything and his hands are tied behind his back. But it means that he is gentle and able to also walk through with us. So I can rejoice knowing that we have a very powerful God. One who also brings correction, but his correction is gentle and that he doesn't smite us from the earth every single time we do something ridiculous, which I say, praise the Lord, and I'll rejoice. <laughs> because I've been super dumb in my life, let me tell you, but he has been gracious and gentle with me. So let your gentleness be evident to all, for the Lord is near. And then he brings this in. So, so we have this image now, this understanding that God is near. God is great. He is powerful. He's glorious. I can rejoice in that. It's wonderful. He's gentle. So then, because of these things, now we can see in verse 6, do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, Present your request to God. So that doesn't mean that you're not supposed to go through situations and you're not going to have stresses that will come in life. It's not what this is alluding to because anybody who's been alive for, I don't know, 10 years at least, you know that there's some stresses. I mean, even beforehand. I got a three-year-old and she gets, you know, stressed out sometimes about things. We got to walk her down from stuff. So it's not that we're not going to have stresses. It's not that that we're going to have things that will press against our mind that we'll have to be able to sift through or anything like that. But the process of being anxious, don't be anxious. This is not your identity is, is anxiety-driven. shouldn't be your identity. Your identity should not be wrapped around this thing. We all good with that? Our identity should not be found in things or stuff or circumstances. This is the beef that I kind of have with the Enneagram is that sometimes we end up getting through some of these personality tests, and it's great to understand how your mind works and what your presuppositions or um, any of those things could be. That's great to understand yourself. However, if you use that as an excuse to continue acting like someone that you're not supposed to be, then we have idolatry issues because then you've made an idol of the person that you're claiming that you're supposed to be when your identity is not supposed to be found in the Enneagram or the Briggs-Myers tests or any of these other things that you can have. Your identity is supposed to be found in Christ. We're supposed to be imagers of God. And so if that's the case, we got to figure out who God is and what his attributes and his characteristics are so that we can then start to mirror those things. And so it's good to understand what our shortcomings are, where our weak points are and things like that, but that's not a place where we stay. We're supposed to be able to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. So that means we continue to progress. It's important for us to progress. And so don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, every single situation, by prayer and petition, and then I love that he pulls us in, because it's just not, remember, we talked about this in the, in, the, uh, in the Rhythms for Life message, that it's not just, I'm sitting here in my disorientated state, where there's all kinds of stuff happening around, it seems like the world is collapsing around me, stuff is happening in my life, and so I'm just the most riddle-driven person ever, and I'm just falling in the, in the depths of the mud, and I'm wishing things were as they used to be because it was so much easier back then before this thing happened. And so this is just the way life is. It's horrible. It's disgusting. It's the worst. But now I can turn my eyes to heaven and say, okay, God, the circumstance is still happening, 
But what are you saying in the midst of this? Then you can have his voice speaking into that situation. Then you can start to walk out in obedience what he's asking for you to do. Again, I can say all these things right now, and it's great to hear, but when we put it into practice, it is not always the easiest thing to do. And so I'm not telling you that this is like the easiest thing ever, but I'm telling you it's worth it. And that's the key. Anything that's worth doing at times is going to be a struggle. It's not called work because it's easy. It's called work because it's work. <laughs> you got to work on it. You got to work for it. Work towards it. And so in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, this is the part where we rejoice. This is what I love about the book of Psalms when it says, first, I will praise you, my God, the great king, the mighty God, the great provider. We sing about it today. Jehovah Nisi, who fights my battles. Jehovah Jireh, my provider. Jehovah Shalom, my peace. Jehovah Rapha, my healer. I will praise you, and this is who you are. So I give you thanks for who you are, and because I know this is what your character is. So I will give you thanks for these things. And as a thankful person now, my thought process of the condition and the finality of my situation now shifts. Because now I'm not looking at the circumstance as the end-all, be-all. I'm actually looking at the God of the universe, my God, who loved me so much that he sent his son to come and die for me so that I can have salvation and right relationship with him. I'm now looking at him and saying, okay, God, now, together, let's, let's look at this circumstance and what are you seeing that I can't see right now? Give me eyes to see and ears to hear so that I can walk out in obedience for whatever it is that you're requiring of me in this situation. If it's just to pray and it's got to be worked out in the hearts of somebody else, then, Lord, I will pray and I will get on my knees and I will do whatever I need to to make sure that that person comes to the understanding of who you are and what you're doing in the middle of this. If it's something that I need to correct in my own heart, if I have a, a wrong opinion or a wrong viewpoint of something, then Lord, transform me so that I can see rightly and I can see these things the way that you want me to see them. If I need to go and ask forgiveness because I was the one that screwed up, then Lord, convict my heart so that I can go and I can have a, and I can deliver an apology that is actually heartfelt and not one that's just like, sorry. You guys ever been around kids that do that? It's like they really don't want to say sorry. You're like, tell them sorry. Sorry. They're like, say it like you mean it. You're like, I'm sorry. It's like, you didn't mean it again. <laughs> it's like, see, we don't want to be that way because, because then you don't have true repentance. There's not true forgiveness that's offered in those moments. It's a reluctant aspect of it. It's reluctancy. And so, and so what's happening in the middle of this that needs to be transformed? Is it my heart? Is it someone else's heart? Is it just a situational aspect that I just need to ride out for a little while and continue to pray that God will provide for my needs in the middle of this circumstance? This is where we don't allow our emotions to overwhelm us to the point to where we're irrational. It's not that emotions are bad. Emotions are good. God gave us emotions. God has emotions, right? So emotions are not bad. I think sometimes we poo-poo on emotions because we think it's horrible, but emotions are good, okay? It's a good beaker and a good meter for what's going on. But if we allow that to be the one that overrides every decision that we make, then we will start to become irrational, and then people really get aggravated when they're around us because we are then not helpful in any circumstance, right? So we, we allow our emotions to tell us what's going on, and then we listen and say, okay, God, 
what's going on and how am I reacting? Is this the way that you want me to respond? Now we can move in thanks in a thankful heart because we know who God is, what his attributes are, what he's capable of doing because we've also read scripture, right? We have a good foundation of knowing this is God's track record and it's pretty dang good. We've seen these things through scripture all throughout of God doing miraculous things time and time and time again. We also have even past scripture when you see multiple testimonies to where God didn't just stop doing stuff after the Bible was canonized. No, you look through church history and say, man, he did it again and again and again and again and again. And man, even if I didn't want to read books by dead people, here we go. Let's start talking about some other things that have happened in your lifetime. Start looking at people around your opportunities of existence, right? What's happened in your family? What's happened around with your friends? What have been some testimonies shared in your church community? What are some things that I can see and know that God's track record is actually pretty dang good? And then also know that even within times that it doesn't seem like a victory was won, how did someone react who I know truly loves God and who are near to him? How are they able to grieve but still make it on the other side of grieving? Oh, because God is a comforter as well. We can weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice because the burdens that we carry are not supposed to be on our own, our own shoulders alone. We actually have the benefit of the community of the body of Christ who are supposed to come around and support each other in the midst of all the circumstances of life that happen. And if you remember out of the book of Psalms, 48% of those Psalms were written out of distress but their perspective was set upon God. 48%, that's a huge chunk of the book of Psalms where people were like, oh God, this is horrible. This is the worst. But yet their eyes were fixed on God, knowing that it was him who was gonna be able to bring them out of these things in whatever capacity. Job is a great example of someone who said, I mean, if anybody was, was allowed to have anxiety, I think we would give Job a pass, right? <laughs> like the, the most worst book to look through and be like, man, I thought God was one who was blessing everybody, and this dude is just losing everything. Family, business, land, friends, every, his wife is even like, dude, just curse God and die. Like, he obviously hates you, okay, dude? This is horrible, but yet he chose to continue to give God praise and ask him if there's anything that he could do in the middle of that that he would do. He was like, this sucks. This is not good. But I trust you. And so during that mo those moments, it was like a slap in the enemy's face knowing that, man, this dude who was counted as like a very commendable character like, God even said, have you considered my servant Job? Have you seen this guy right here? Pretty faithful, pretty awesome guy. I like him a lot. That's the Zach paraphrase. I like this dude a lot. He's a pretty good guy. And that continued and sustained in the midst of tragedy. Horrible, horrible things that we can read through in a quick 30 minutes. 
to an hour, just looking through what, he, what was happening in his life. However, this was his lifetime that he was experiencing these things. And in the end, he was able to see the fruitfulness of his obedience and right standing with God. Do not be anxious for anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Then verse 7, I love this. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This is where the cookie crumbles. This is the this is the beautiful part about this. It's not just that I need to, to realign my, my mind so that I can really look at what God is doing in the middle of this circumstance. Doesn't mean I can't be sorrowful or mournful in the middle of, of trial and tribulation, but it means that as I align myself and say, okay, God, I'm focusing on you and not the circumstance, and I want to see what you're doing in the middle of this so that I can see things the way that you see. And then while you do that, it's incredible. The peace of God will transcend the understanding of that circumstance. That doesn't mean that the circumstance just goes away because it's still there. However, it's in the middle of that circumstance that people will go, how on earth are you in the shape that you are right now? How, how, are, how is this happening right now? Like, I would be a mess and I would be out drinking every single night having to deal with what you're doing. I would be back on drugs, just getting high every single opportunity I had. I would have lost everything. I would have gone and killed that person for doing what they did. I'd be in jail today. This is what I, you don't have the peace of God that passes over the understanding of that circumstance, knowing that you're going to trust him and you're going to walk out in obedience to things that he's asking you to. Again, very easy for me to say these things in just 30 seconds, but it's the walking these things out that we have to be more intentional about. We can say things all day long, and I can preach to them blue in the face. I can do a 45-part series on this topic right here, but it doesn't matter if we're not applying Scripture to our lives. This is where we see people end up being very frustrated with people who are in the church and call them hypocrites for the majority of the time. Now, here's the reality is that we are all in various parts of our walk with Christ, and so we're all in different understandings and different convictions of how deep these things go within our hearts. And so it's not to excuse people, but it's to realize that, that this life is not for people who are perfect. Otherwise, I wouldn't need Christ. If I was perfect, I wouldn't need Jesus. But it's the fact that I'm imperfect that I need a Savior, that I need Christ. And I'm under the belief, and I think that you all are too, that no person is perfect or able to do these things on their own. And so we have a lot of people who are full of wisdom, but that doesn't mean that they're perfect in being able to do things that they need to. There is only one who came and who died, who was perfect, and he was also raised from the grave, giving us access as the temple of the Holy Spirit to have communion with God in every single day, every single opportunity we have. It's a privilege and an honor to do that, but we have to be very intentional about these things. And I'm standing here as someone who is consistently learning on what it means to be more intentional with my walk with Jesus. As I deal with people, as I'm married, all the married people in the room said, mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you, gotta, you learn things as time progresses and goes. Because you start to learn even more so the inadequacies that you have in your own heart. 
the things that you deal with, the things that you'll put up with, and the things that you find to be repulsive at times. You start to find out what you're going to stand for and what you won't stand for. But it's, it's our responsibility to go and to look at our God, to spend time with him. If we're going to have this word tattooed on our heart, we need to be patient in the middle of our time that we spend with him. Otherwise, we will only lean on our upbringing for a moral compass on what it means to be a believer. Subconsciously, we'll start to dive back into those previous behaviors because we have yet to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. The peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard, I love that, love that, love that. He will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. He will guard your desires. He will guard your actions, your activities. He will help guard those things as he brings conviction, not just to your desires, but to your habits and the ways that you think. Again, Paul writes, as this is, this is a letter from Paul to the Philippians, he writes to the Romans in Romans chapter 12. He says, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. That's your spiritual act of worship. And then taking it further, he says, do not be conformed by the ways, the circumstances, the activities, the things around in this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. James writes and tells us that we're supposed to consider it pure joy when we encounter trials because it's the testing of our faith. And he talks much about how faith is not just the belief, but it's belief in action. John Wimber says it's uh, faith is spelled R-I-S-K. Faith is risking. It's putting yourself out and saying, I will put activity to the things that I'm claiming to believe. And if I can do that, then that shows that I truly believe what I say to be true. And then Paul says this. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. When your mind is transformed, then you will start to place your mind, your thoughts on things that are true. You're not going to be paying attention to the narrative that's going around in culture right now. You're not going to be paying attention to every single whim of whatever kind of political agenda is trying to go around, whether on the right or on the left. I don't care. Both sides lie. So stop ascribing yourselves as a religious person in politics. You need to be a believer first before you're anything else. I don't care who's running in office on whatever side. They're fallible humans. I need to go to what's true. Whatever is true, you have to read what is true and talk to the one who is the way, the truth, and the life in order to figure out what's true. So then you move into whatever's noble when you find out what's true because then you'll start to ascribe to that and you'll start to be a person of nobility in the middle of it. Whatever is noble because you serve the king of kings and the lord of lords. And so nobility continues to move on. And if you're grafted in as an adopted son or daughter in the kingdom, that means that you are now nobility. Your position is not lowly as scum of the earth or anything like that. Your position is not heading down to Sheol because you're, you're a wretched sinner. Now you're a, a, a person who has been saved by grace. And so your position is to be in the kingdom of heaven with the king. Whatever is right, whatever is correct, whatever is pure, Whatever is lovely and admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy. I love he didn't say if anything is perfect. He said if anything is excellent or praiseworthy. 
think about these things. I'll end here. Whatever you have learned or received or heard or seen, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Let's stand. This is where it's important for us as believers to be practitioners. Not just full of philosophical ideas, religious ideas. The disciples were not people who were all from one type of, of thought process. They were people from many different backgrounds. From tax collectors to fishermen to zealots. You name them. So you don't have to be a professor. You didn't have to go to Bible school. You didn't have to go through a whole different process of feeling like you have to be called the clergy. You, you just have to know Jesus. If you know Jesus, then you'll be able to live like he's asked us to live. The goal is relationship with Jesus. When you have relationship with him, you'll find out what his what his desires are. Like any good relationship you have, you start to learn what the person likes, what their standards are. The more that you know Jesus, the better you'll find out what his standards are and what he's going to ask you to do. I'm not expecting perfection from anybody in this room. I'm just expecting that you pursue him with everything that you have. Just be intentional. That's what I expect. That's what I expect out of myself. It's the beautiful thing about being held accountable is that you're not met by your own standards. Because if that's the case, we'd miss the mark a whole lot more. But when we can be kept accountable, my goodness. People will try to say stuff, but it just won't hold up. They can try to call back on the things that you used to do. It just won't stick. So Jesus, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your mercy. I thank you for your might and for your power. I thank you for your justice and for your righteous standard. I thank you that you don't let us get away with things and that you desire for us to know you greater and greater and greater and greater. I thank you that you were intentional enough to send your son to come and die on the cross for our sins because we would never be able to amount to the position of being able to be our own savior. Thank you that you didn't just send your son to die as a martyr, but that he rose from the grave three days later, giving us access to a right relationship with you, where we don't have to worry about traveling to a temple in order to, to experience your presence, but that you live inside of us and that we can encounter you. Lord, I pray that we have an authentic relationship with you and that this is not a show or that we don't just mark something on our Facebook page saying that I believe in Jesus. Let us not just be people who post things, but let us be people who hold positions in our lives that the standard that we abide by are ones that are also shown in our actions. Lord, that we would hold our tongues in the times that we need to hold our tongues. Lord, that we would loose our lips in the times that we need to stand and speak wisdom with truth. Lord, let us have compassion for people who don't know you and let us have the ability to persevere in the times when it gets tough. 
Thank you for the wisdom of your word. Thank you that we have your scriptures that we can go back to and that we can read. Help us to go through and be more intentional when we read it. Help us to align and and remain close with those who are in our, our assembly here today too. And not just people who gather and then scatter. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for the opportunities that you've afforded us. Thank you for the place that we live and the community we're a part of. I ask you that we would be a blessing to the community as well. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said, amen. amen. You guys are incredible, wonderful. If you would like prayer, we'll have some people back here that, uh, that would be, be happy to pray with you. Otherwise, greet somebody, tell them you're excited that they're here today, and go eat lunch with somebody too. That would be wonderful as well. Love y'all.